we got another episode of Swings and Mishes coming your way. It is the summer. It's getting hot. And you know what else is hot? The deals over at Happy Car Sales and HappyCarsFlorida.com. My friend Louie, who my family has bought cars from, has the best deal around in all of South Florida. It's the ceiling summer savings. And check this out. You got your choice, folks. 0% interest. Did you hear what I just said? 0% interest or, get this, no payments on any car in his lot up to six months. Everybody qualifies. Good credit, bad credit, no credit. Did you hear me? Well, let me say it again. 0% interest or no payments on any car whatsoever for over six months. That's happycarsflorida.com. You can call him right now at 954-800-2449. That's 954-800-2449 or go to happycarsflorida.com. His location is 203 West State Road 84, Fort Lauderdale. Understand that my family has bought cars from Louis for 20 years. If you want to get yourself into a new car this summer, your kids may be going back to college or even back to school. Get a car right now, 954-800-2449, happycarsflorida.com, 0% interest, no payments for up to six months. Call right now. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome back to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché. Happy to be back on the show after missing uh, my first ever episode uh, last week. But we really, missed you. I really enjoyed uh, listening to Lewis and Ian and, and Craig, obviously, as you broke down everything uh, from the trade deadline. It was really enjoyable for me to listen back and hear almost learn kind of simultaneously with the rest of our listeners what had really happened as I was sort of out of the loop myself um yeah well listen you did a great job as you always do over at uh, Camp Fiesta and I, I think that for people who don't know Jeremy uh how much time that you and your family devote uh to kids who uh who have you know illnesses and are not fortunate to kind of uh, live their lives like we do, and I know that you spend a lot of time uh, taking care of them at that camp, and so it definitely well worthy cause. And if you're going to miss a week, that's definitely uh, the week to miss it for sure. So, uh, and great job, I would always say by you to to doing things like you do. I appreciate that seriously. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, Camp Fiesta was incredible this year, so um, I feel very fortunate to be a part of it. But thank you uh, for the opportunity to miss for such a a, a great thing. And now. I'm back. I'm excited. Um, although, unfortunately, uh, since you're excited I've, about what? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, there's not a lot yeah. to be excited about at the moment uh, no. at the major league level for the Miami Marlins. It has been a rough stretch since the trade deadline. They did win their first game against the Twins, but then since then, 0 and 6. They lost every game on the road trip: Tampa, New York and not really competitive games um, to, against either of those teams. It, you know, Miguel Rojas now got hurt. It's just been a lot of downhill for the Marlins since the trade deadline. Um, and, and Craig, I mean, you tweeted it out yesterday. It's not exactly a, a rose-colored glasses type of situation in the last week or so. How are you feeling about the way the Marlins have played over the last week? Yeah, and, and that twin series also, remember, they lost the first two games, and then the third game they were down 4-1 or 4 nothing in the ninth inning, came back to win that. So right. 
they've been trailing after eight innings in every game since the uh, Diamondback series, I think. So right. that's incredible to think that they've been down in every single game and including the four game series against the Mets. And, you know, after I sent the tweet out yesterday about, hey, look, you know, go to somebody else's Twitter if you want good news. Some people, a couple of people texted me and say, oh, you know, you always got to find something positive. You have to do that. And look, um, I, I give a tremendous amount of respect to people who work for the team and the media relations and public relations uh, people around the team. But as I'll say, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, it's in my best interest and it's in our uh, vested interest to have the Marlins become a good team. It helps this podcast. It certainly would help. Uh, with sales in the future too, just like it would help the Marlins make their sales. But I'm here to call it how it is, guys. So, uh, you know, if, if they're going to lose every single game on a road trip and get outclassed, outscored, and as Don Mattingly said after the game, uh, manhandled by the other team, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and dig for, for diamonds at the end of a series where they lose four games in a row. I'm just, that's just not who I am, and that's just not what I'm going to be. And, and hopefully you guys understand that, and, and I call it fairly as much as I possibly can. Of course, I am biased toward some things, and I admit that. But in this particular case, I watched those games, and it did not go well. It did not go against the, well against the Rays. They did not look great against the Twins either. So where are we at? This is the second year in a row that this has happened. Immediately yep. after the trade deadline last year, the team kind of went into a tailspin after they traded Brad Ziegler and Cameron Mabin, and at that point, it was kind of, well, maybe there was some leadership aspect that was gone. Uh, Don Mattingly, uh, about a week ago, also said that some players that, that wanted to be moved weren't moved, and maybe that was a factor also where uh, they expected to be gone and they weren't, and he didn't name names, but we kind of know who, I, I think we know who he was alluding to at that point. But simply put, Jeremy, they, uh, they made trades that are going to help in the future, but it is really taken a hit with them in the present. There is no doubt about that. Zach Gallen, who pitched on Wednesday night for the Diamondbacks, did a yeah. really good job. You eliminate him from the rotation. And, uh, you know, certainly Yamamoto has gone uh, – has not pitched nearly as well as he had early, and I, that was to be expected. Right. And Pablo Lopez has made three rehab starts, of which has not gone well at all. Like, like not even – not even he can't even complete two innings basically and so you know normally when pitchers are on rehab starts just so people understand yeah you can make a rehab start or two or three but no one is going after missing a month or two of a major league baseball season and having four or five rehab starts and that's kind of where pablo is he's gonna have to do i'm sure he's gonna have to make another one and so what that has done is that has forced uh hector noesi into the rotation and make no mistake about it, this is not something that the Marlins planned on at the beginning of the season. I remember when they signed him, uh, I had asked somebody in the organization about Noessi saying, hey, wait a minute here. This guy was one of the, you know, struggled more. I, I wanted to say the worst. I'll, I'll be nice. <laughs> struggled more than any pitcher I can ever remember over a two-year period. Uh, there used to be a time where, uh, you know, I, I do the fantasy stuff. And there used to be a time where people would run to their computer when Noessi was pitching to go against him in the, in the FanDuel and draft yeah. games. And I'm sorry if that insults Noessi, but this is just true. I mean, this is just – this is what happened. And I was told at the time, look, Noessi's a triple-A guy. It gives us triple-A depth, uh, innings in triple-A. Don't expect to see him this year. And, right. and look what's happened. We're seeing him now. He's going to face the Braves on Sunday too, man. And, and – Look, I, I hope it works out, and I hope it gets better uh, for him. But they're in a really tough spot right now. 
uh, approaching 30 games under 500. And, and for all the positivity, and believe me, there was a lot of positivity. They made, I think they made some fantastic trades. I think their draft was out of this world. Their farm system is now fourth on MLB Pipeline. It is top five basically in every single publication as it should be. But Jeremy, the bottom line is this is a major league baseball team and people pay major league prices to see a major league product. And I'm not going to go as far back in, in, in April when I was going on that crazy rant when they were losing all those games. I'm not going to do that here on this one because I don't think that we're there as bad as it was in April. But don't ever lose sight of this is a major league baseball team. And minor league baseball, I got caught up in it and seeing Lewin Diaz hit these home runs. And we're going to have Jazz Chisholm on the podcast coming up here in a little bit. Jesus Sanchez looks fantastic, too. Mm-hmm. Marlins need to put fans in those seats. No fan is paying for a team losing 70% of their games. It's just not going to happen. So right. uh, there, there is some concern for me. There is no doubt. In 2020 is not in 2020, Jeremy. 2020 starts in two months. Okay. When the season, when the season ends, that's when 2020 begins for the Marlins. And a lot of these players that you're seeing in August and September, what do you mean to tell me that they're not part of 2020? Of course they are. A lot of these players are, but the 2019 season is almost over. And so you're hoping to see some production from some of these guys. Uh, They did call up Isan Diaz, who we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, Lewis Brinson's had a couple of games where it seems like there's a little bit of an uh, approach change where he's hitting the ball to right field some. Of course, a pitcher will adjust to that very quickly, and we'll see if he yeah. can adjust uh, as well. Uh, but, but make no mistake about it, it was really tough to watch that series against the Mets. It was, it was seeing all those, those tanks being given up by the pitching, where the pitching has really been the story for the team all year long. And another thing that I would say, by the way, as we close out on the Mets series, is that if you go back and you watch, especially that last game, a lot of players down four or five runs, swinging at that first pitch right into the yeah. ground, running it out, and being done. And that, to me is not the same Marlins that I saw a month ago when they're down four or five runs and coming back in those ninth innings. And sometimes they came up short, but they, the great approach I thought from a lot of those guys, I didn't see that against the Mets. Well, that's the part that was sort of frustrating is the approach. Um, it, it felt like as soon as this team was down, they were out, uh, which has been so the opposite of what we've seen over the last couple of months. Like, look, it, it's like you just mentioned. They started, what, it was like 10 and 30. And they were horrific. But since then, up until the last couple of weeks, they had been right around a 500 ball club. Absolutely. You know, there was a reason that we were sitting here being as positive as we were. Because as opposed to just looking at the hole and saying, here's what the record is, we were able to break the season down into moments and go, okay, the beginning of the season was a massive disappointment. And regardless of how good the pitching has been, it was a massive disappointment because they, they we're going up there and just not competing at the plate. And then Garrett Cooper came back into the lineup and then Harold Ramirez got called up and there was yeah, an action of life. Mm-hmm. And when those guys came up and were, were hitting the, were really just hitting the crap out of the ball, both of them, yeah. it, it brought a new life to Brian Anderson. It spread life down the rest of the order. But really since then, Ramirez has regressed down to earth. Cooper's had a really rough stretch he in the really last has. couple of weeks. I he mean, really it's the, and that's bound to happen. This is not criticism of either of those players. Yeah. But, you know, it's baseball. Failure happens for a little bit. And as yeah. both struggled, Anderson still hit the ball pretty well, but Jorge Alfaro has struggled. Oh, big he time. has struggled I mean, in a big, big time. Yeah, in a big, big way, way over the last month or two. Yeah. And so, you know, when you do look at this team, it's frustrating because then on top of that, 
the pitching has not taken a step forward in the second half of the year. They've taken a step back. And that was bound to happen. You're young pitchers. You're throwing more innings than you ever have before. Right. But, you know, it's a few straight starts that haven't been exactly ideal from your all-star in Sandy Alcantara. You've seen Jordan Yamamoto take a step back. And, and this is not, again, a criticism of the individual, but this is a, a criticism as a whole where everybody simultaneously has sort of taken a step back. And it doesn't seem to be that there's that same edge and fight that we saw about a month ago when we knew this team wasn't making a playoff run. They knew they weren't making a playoff run, but they were playing like a team that was fighting for something. And like you mentioned, we can all, in a logical, intelligent way, understand that 2020 is not the season that they're going to compete. Maybe 2021 is a season where you now start to have some fun. And we can understand the long view and be excited about a farm system that's now top five in the bigs and be excited about trades. But at the same time, when you're 30 games under, not everyone not every Marlins fan listens to this podcast, reads all of the articles from whether it's MLB.com or the Sentinel or the Herald or the Athletic or, or Fish Stripes. Not everybody is keeping with this franchise on a day-to-day basis in a detail-oriented way that you and I are or others that listen to this podcast are. And so what you have to think is, what does the average Marlins fan think about what's happening right now? And when you're 30 games under 500, and you're getting swept in four games by the Mets, who had been horrific. Now they're on an incredible run right now. But when you're, when you're going through moments like this, this is one of the roughest points of the season when we're just strictly looking at this major league team, which is what you and I are covering right now. It's other than that start to the year, this is kind of the low point because it's a fresh, frustrating um, what feels like a lack of fight. Uh, from from a group of guys that the one thing we've been able to complement the entire season is that level of fight. And I think that, um, you know, losing Miguel Rojas is also a big part of that. He's been a, a big part of the team. And, and look, they still have veteran leadership there, but they're, you know, you lose the voice of Rojas a little bit. You know, Curtis yeah. Granderson is still there. But, you know, Martin Prado, uh, you know, I thought, I think it was last year where he had made a comment that, or alluded to at least. I don't want to misquote him. I already got him and Castro mad at me enough. Um, I think they had made a comment about how it's hard to be a leader when you're not playing, or it's yeah. hard to like. You know, and and I think that you know Neil Walker would be another one of those guys. He's on the injured list too. So you know, this is going to fall on the manager here. Don Mattingly is going to try and have to get the best as he can uh, out of these players, and how he does it with a makeshift bullpen at this point and a team that just looks tired is going to be really hard to do. They have four games against the Braves coming up and then three games against the Dodgers, and it does not get easier from there. They go play the Rockies on the road after that, and then I think the Braves again. Yeah, I mean, the they, could lose, they could yeah. lose the next 12 or 13 out of 14. I mean, <laughs> it's, it could be. it's not going to get much prettier over be. the next couple and, of weeks. And, and, so, and so, again, it's not to, you know, I think that for people who follow my coverage, they see that I am – I'm always slanted on the positive side, but I'm never going to be what we would call in the industry as like a homer. Right. If thing, if things aren't going well, I have to point that out. And, and again, when you think about it, you mentioned something I think that's important is that make no mistake about it. The team is planning on being competitive in 2021. That, that's, that's, that's a depth that's definitive. But that being said, 
if the Marlins are going to finish at the end of this season, 40 games under 500 or close to it, let's say between 30 and 40, because they're trending that way now and they have a tough schedule. How do you go from 30 or 40 under to only 10 under? Right. You don't, you really don't. Right. And, and I don't know that, that the fan base can endure another hundred loss season in a row, specifically this fan base in Detroit. You can, in Kansas city, you can, in Baltimore, you can, you have world series. There's, you have built in fan bases that have been there. The team's been around for a hundred years. There are hall of famers that have played in all those places and season ticket holders, season ticket bases of 10,000, 15,000 of people that are there every night. Detroit got 30,000 the other weekend at home. Detroit, by the way, one home win. All of July, one home win, That's 13 horrific. home wins all season. It's insane. I think it's bad here. It's so yeah. much worse in Detroit. But people are going to those games. Miami's a little bit different. They need people next year, I think, to re-engage yeah. uh, with the Marlins at the big league level. And so while all of the, the stories are nice with the minor leagues, and make no mistake about it, they've accomplished a lot of the missions that they've set out to. Uh, I just this has just been a really tough run for them, and I just hope Jeremy that we don't pop back on this podcast in a week from now, and and have this uh, this same sort of thing happening. But look, we we do a podcast a week. Some are going to be good, some are going to be bad. This just happens to be one of those that were bad. But I know Jeremy, at the very least, if there was one silver lining to the yeah. whole thing, it had to be Isan Diaz uh, coming up, and uh, which of course uh, I broke. And, <laughs> and, th- and then after that, uh, you know, just the ensuing part of, of him and his family. I know you really enjoyed it. I was choked right. up, man. I, I thought that was phenomenal. I, I, so I was watching the game. I was working at, at WSVN that night. Um, and I was actually sitting and having a conversation uh, with Steve Shapiro about how special I think Isan Diaz can be. And we were having sort of a long-form conversation about the Marlins farm system and this and that and whatever. And um, as Isan Diaz was coming back up, we saw Minervini sitting down with the family and figured, oh, this should be a nice, you know, little interview. So, so myself, Shapiro, and a couple of our other producers are sitting there in, in, in the office watching, you know, volume full on our big screen in the, in, in the office. And we're watching and we're all almost just choked up to begin with, let alone how the at-bat's going to go. Because it's clearly such a special, prideful moment for this family who's gotten an opportunity to see their son get to the big leagues and how special are all those moments. We saw it with Zach Gallen earlier in the year when he made his debut. Uh, we saw Jordan Yamamoto when his family came in with his debut. You know, there's been some really special moments this year, and this was another one of them. And then the timing on the interview, yeah. because Craig Minervini asks, has this been an emotional time for you guys? And Isan's mother says, yeah, it's been very emotional. And then boom, crack of the bat. It's a home run. And, Craig did an incredible job of he letting did. the moment breathe and just listening to Raul Diaz and, and Isan's uh, mother as well and the rest of the family just soak in that moment. It was so special. And it's one of those things that it only happens in baseball that way because of the pace of the game, because of, of the history behind the game, because of, of the way that those intimate moments and stories work and the battling of getting through minor league systems and, and being traded and being part of this conversation and that conversation and, and Isan Diaz specifically and what he means as part of this, this sort of build and, and, and the narrative behind him is he's crushed it in the minors all year long and we've just been waiting for this moment and for his first big league hit to be a homer with the family in attendance 
at City Field in New York, which is a big stage. I mean, it was just, it was so special. You have chills, you, you, you want to cry. And, and the coolest part was, was his dad going, did we just hit a homer off the Grom? That line of, did we just do that? <laughs> yeah. Did we just hit a homer off a Cy Young Award winner? Because it's true. Like, it, when you do have the, the obvious bond that Isan and his dad do have, and, you know, I had it with my dad growing up as my coach. It's like, it's so special because it does feel like a group accomplishment. While that is Isan Diaz's homer, it's the whole family's. And that's, it's so, it was just such a special moment that in the midst of what was some really negative swirling baseball at the moment i mean that game specifically was rough not but, even it, it was you know what up until that point there really wasn't a lot of negative the team was playing right. fine the, the tampa fine. game the tampa games weren't unreasonably bad yeah and, and diaz hit that home run and it was like wow this is gonna be amazing i was thinking they're gonna have these shirts on sale at marlins park yeah diaz is up and and the marlins are gonna win some games and all that um, but man, like that was just well, a top, I think it was a top five TV moment all time for me. Oh yeah. Happen. Uh, and by the way, with Diaz too, like, uh, j- just like people are going to go overboard one way or the other on Brinson, I wouldn't go one way or the other, uh, on Diaz. This is his first time up, uh, in the big leagues and, and, and look, you got to give him some time to see what happens and figure it out and better do it now than in April of next year. Imagine right. if he didn't come up and then, and then he got off to a tough start in April of next year. So I'm not all that worried about it. I'm looking forward to seeing him play. And certainly you're right though, Jeremy, if, if there was a moment for the 2019 season, it was that there. is definitely it without yeah. a doubt. And so I'm certainly excited about that. Uh, also, one other thing that I wanted to mention before we talk to jazz Chisholm, and this is just, you know, I know it's really important in the community and really important to the Marlins is their, uh, is their RBI program. Mm. And, um, and the juniors and seniors uh, made it to the uh, 2019 RBI World Series in Vero Beach. And so if you follow me on Twitter, at Craig Mish, what I'm going to do is I'll have updates on how the kids are doing. I know it's uh, engaging in the community, and the RBI program is very important uh, to Marlins CEO Derek Jeter and the Marlins organization. So I want to make sure that I give you guys updates and, and get that out there. Uh, the championship game is tomorrow for both the juniors and seniors. If they get there, if they do get there, I'll update those scores. But they are uh, playing as we're recording the podcast right now. But congratulations to both of them for making it to that point. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm, I'm excited to follow along and find out myself. Um, and so real quick, before we get to Jazz Chisholm, just any last uh, news or notes or anything you want to mention about Chisholm before we do get in, into the interview? This is one of those uh, overreaction trades that we're going to have here for a while because I think it's very clear we've, we've both seen and everyone in, in baseball has seen Zach Gallen pitch very well. I would expect him to continue to pitch very well as we're recording this podcast. The Diamondbacks are uh, all of a sudden the Marlins fans and some other people, by the way, got a lot of got a kick out of beating Arizona three out of four. Oh, the Marlins, they, they knocked them out. They knocked them out. Arizona's a game and a half out. OK, right. so slow your roll a little bit there and give some credit to the Diamondbacks, a really well-run organization. They traded Zach Greinke and they've moved up in the standings. So congratulations Bizarre. to them. Uh, but people are going to start judging that trade now, obviously, because Gallon's in the big leagues. He already had a good start. He'll probably pitch well for them. And who knows how far he'll take them. But just like any other trade, you got to wait on the evaluation period. And to this point, out of all the trades that the Marlins have made, honestly, I think they only take the L on one of them. You guys know which one that is. The rest of them I still think are TBD or they can win all of those deals. So give this some time in order to play out. Let Jazz get to the big leagues. Let's see what he can do next year as he starts off the season in the minor leagues. 
And then we can start that evaluation process. It's always a sliding scale when it comes to trades. And so I'm certainly excited to talk to Jazz about uh, being in the Bahamas and growing up there and now having a chance to play for arguably one of the teams that he grew up following in the Miami Marlins. Right. I'm excited to hear what Jazz has to say, and we'll hear from him right now here on Swings and Missions. And before we catch up with Jazz Chisholm, I want to invite everyone who is a loyal listener to our Swings and Mishes 2019 pool, our NFL Pick'em pool against the spread. It's absolutely free to join, and there will be a fantastic prize at the end of the season. All you have to do is go to our Twitter handle, at Swings and Mishes, and the link will take you right in. You pick five teams each week against the spread. It is free to join There'll be a prize that we will be announcing over the next couple of weeks at the end of the season before the NFL season starts. Just go to our Twitter handle right now, at Swings and Mishes, or go to swingsandmishes.com. Click on the link and register. It is free to join. Pick five teams in the NFL each week against the spread. It's our Swings and Mishes 2019 pool. Get in now. And on this episode of Swings and Mishes, we've been talking a lot about the trades the Marlins have made, and certainly we're excited to have our next guest on, who was part of arguably one of the biggest trade deadline deals the Marlins have ever made when they sent Zach Gallen to the Arizona Diamondbacks, and in return got Jazz Chisholm, infielder who is now in the Marlins system, former top prospect overall in the Diamondback system. Jazz, thanks so much for coming on Swings and Mishes today. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm just glad to be here. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're we're doing great. We're doing great. Not as good as you, though, living the good life here. All of, all of a sudden, uh, I mean, you are basically being talked about uh, amongst Marlins fans as being, uh, you know, potentially the future shortstop or future infielder for the Marlins. Let's go back to the day that you were traded. Uh, what 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 had that go down? How'd you find out about that? Our GM and farm director called me and they just told me, like, "Hey, sorry, man, we just traded you to the Marlins. Sorry that you had to go." And that was it. They didn't even give you like a like you know a, a gift card somewhere on the way out. That was the end of it. Just goodbye. Good luck. Uh, it was more of a like a subtle like, hey, we know you've been here for four years, but we need some pitching, and they're, you're the guy they're asking for. And we weren't trying to give you up, but they're asking all year. So. Oh well, there you go. There's a little piece of information that we didn't know before. The Marlins were asking all year. You could be a reporter. You could host this jazz when you're all done. You could get. <laughs> You could start breaking news for me. Actually, I did kind of know that going in. But um, despite that, oh, okay, so Jazz, the, the, uh, you, you grew up in, in the Bahamas, in Nassau, and I know all of a sudden this has become a hotbed for players coming out of there internationally. I'm sure that you're familiar with Ian Lewis, who just signed with the Marlins as well. Uh, who were yeah. you a fan of when you were growing up, and, and was it the Marlins? Was it somebody else? Walk me through that a little bit. Well, I always grew up watching the Marlins and the Dodgers, honestly, and the Yankees course uh but my favorite players were A-Rod and Jeter and Ken Griffey Jr. when I was growing up and when Robinson Cano was a Yankee I watched him so those are the guys I watched growing up but definitely watched the Marlins when they had Beckett and Hanley Ramirez and Miguel Cabrera that was my team at the time yeah 2003 World Series and then uh you know even after that some of those players stuck around for a little bit. Uh, so did yeah. you grow, did you grow up just playing baseball? Did you play other sports? Because I, I, you know, naturally when you think of the Bahamas and I've been there many times to Nassau for vacation uh, jazz, obviously, but I, I never really thought 10 years ago that there would be major league players coming out of the Bahamas that would have the kind of impact that, that you guys are going to have. 
Um, I mean, in the Bahamas, we play baseball, basketball, football, soccer, track and field. But my main three sports was baseball, basketball, and football. And what were you best at? I was pretty good at basketball, but I was only I was a short guy that can dunk. But I played really good safety for football. But I feel like I was always better with baseball. I feel like my love for the game was baseball more than any other game. Do you think you could dunk right now? If somebody gave you a basketball, could you dunk? 100% still can dunk. Oh, wow. I'd like to see that. I don't know that there's any Marlins that can dunk right now. <laughs> they, they got a lot of guys, a lot of pitchers who are I like – Monte five. Harrison could still dunk probably. Yeah, that's, that's – but he's not – yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's in the minor league system too. We don't want him dunking right now, though. He's on the injured list right now. Yeah, Monte, but Monte, – Yeah, hurt. me and Monte for sure can go for a slam dunk contest. So you grow up and, and you're playing all three sports. Eventually you decide that you're going you're gonna to play baseball and clearly you're very good at it. And then what happens next? How, how do you get to the point where you're on the radar of major league baseball teams? I mean, I went to a couple of tournaments, some scouts there watching me, and I was in high school in Kansas, so I was playing baseball, basketball, and football in high school in Kansas, and I was getting watched by scouts for all sports. And my love for the game was just, instead of going and playing summer basketball, I'd go play baseball, and then kept on going. And then one day, <clears throat> I ran into a Texas Rangers scout and a Padres scout, and they asked me, hey, do you feel, how do you feel going up to the plate lefty-lefty? because I was a switch hitter in high school. And it's like, how do you feel hitting left on left? Because you have a lot of power on left on your left side and your right side is just straight base hits. So I went into the game that day with the lefty starter on the mound and hit two homers off of him lefty. And I became straight left-handed. And Scott was like, well, I don't want to see you hitting right-handed anymore. And that's when I was, that's when I got on the radar for Major League Baseball. And did you stop hitting righty at that point completely? Is that something that you could still do again, or or every level you've been at since you've you've been? Uh... I stopped hitting right-handed completely after that. So uh, just left hand. By the by the way, you mentioned Kansas. How did you end up uh, in Nassau from from Kansas? Well, I was playing in the Cal Ripken Little League World Series, and we won it. And a couple high school coaches were out there, just out there watching games, and. He came and told me, like, hey, it was a, he's a high school coach at a prep school. And he told me, hey, do you mind coming out and playing for our school? We'll give you a full scholarship. Don't have to pay for living. Don't have to pay for food or school. So I went out there and played for a little bit. All right. Well, that, that worked out really well for you, for sure. And so, Jazz, you end up, uh, you know, two years ago in uh, the Diamondbacks minor league system. And you just set everything on fire. You become the number one prospect in the Diamondbacks organization. And then uh, would you say that it hasn't gone as well for you um, since then? What do you, what do you kind of attribute that to? Because I think that the Marlins, by the way, wouldn't have been able to acquire you had you taken a little bit of a step back. Um, I feel like I had a – this is definitely my worst year I've ever had. But, I mean – Everybody has those bumps in the road, and I'm glad it's happening in the minor leagues instead of in the major leagues. So I'm happy about that part of it. And, and what would you attribute that to? Any any idea? What have the coaches told you? And, and since you've gotten to Jacksonville, have they tried to fix anything, or has it just been the same? I mean, since I've got to Jacksonville, I've been hitting really well. So I feel like when I, I felt like when I got to the Marlins organization, I felt a little more stress-free and more relieved and more open to everything um the guys just told me to go out there and have fun and play and that's how I 
that's what I want to do, and that's probably what I contribute my like, success with the Marlins so far to is just having fun. Well, Jazz, uh, Jeremy here, the the co-host of the podcast, it, you mentioned, um, you know, feeling that sort of stress-free, you know, lack of lack of pressure there, and being in or in an organization like the Marlins right now that is so young, you know, and one for that matter that you got to grow up watching, having that level of comfort, having watched the Marlins go through stuff like this before, where there were young guys that came on, up and succeeded, and. You mentioned Hanley Ramirez as an example of a young guy that came through the system and had success after being traded to the Marlins. You know, do you use any of that knowledge or any of the the knowing that you are with a young team that you might have opportunity uh, to get to the show with? Do you use that as as inspiration or does that bring a level of levity? What does that do for you? I feel like that just helps me go out there and play even better, knowing that. I have a shot at the big leagues, you know. I mean, I know I had a shot at the big leagues with the Diamondbacks, but it's just a, it's a, just a different feeling knowing that you're going to be close to home, you know. So I'm super, like, every day I go out there and I smile. Even if I go over 4 I'm still out there smiling and having fun. I feel like the Marlins system has helped me with that, that they just say it doesn't matter what you do, just go out there and have fun. Well, and you mentioned having fun, and I noticed on your social media when I started going through after you were traded to the Marlins, you got a couple of, like, hype tapes out there. You know, I, we, we don't see that a ton in baseball. We actually see that more in basketball, like you mentioned. You say you could dunk. We see a lot more of those types of mixtapes. Do you put any of those together on your own? Do people put those together for you? You know, I saw a lot of that stuff out there. Do you like putting out, you know, not just the classic baseball highlights, but sort of a mix and match of some things? Yeah, actually, like, I love putting out, like, if I ever get – any of the videos from the team of me making a great defensive play or hitting a home run, I just try to put it out there for my fans to see it just in case they weren't watching on MILB TV so they can know, okay, they know I hit a home run, but so they could see how it looked and everything. And I'm, I'm all about the fans and having fun and, and social media. So with all that happening, I just try to put one together, put the music on it and let everybody react to it. All right. Well, that's that's great for the young fans. I'm getting a little old for that jazz. I'm an older guy here, but I definitely can appreciate it. Jeremy's the young guy on the podcast. I'm the old man. Um, <laughs> speaking, speaking of young guys, jazz, before we let you go here, give me your uh, you, you mentioned that you were a huge fan of Derek Jeter, uh, Alex Rodriguez. So, you know, baseball players, you know, Major League Baseball players. You've seen kids yeah. come the system. Give, give me the scouting report on Ian Lewis. I don't know a lot about him. I know that he came from the same academy with you in the Bahamas. So I'd love to get a little bit of a scouting report. Uh, when we, what you think he can be and how long you think he'll be in the minor leagues. Give me your best on uh, Lewis, if you could. Okay. So Ian Lewis, I met Ian Lewis when he was around eight years old. And my stepdad is the guy that runs the academy. And at the little league that I played at and my stepdad played at, my stepdad was coaching a team. And every year that I came from high school, during the summer, I would help coach the team. And Ian was on the team as well. So I had Ian from he was eight, and I would help him. And, I mean, since since then, me and Ian has been together for eight years. Like, if I'm home and he's home, he's with me every day. He sleeps by my house. We eat together. We go out to dinner every night, probably. And I, I feel like that's my little brother. And I couldn't be happier for him that he signed contract and now I'm even happier that he's with the Marlins than I'm with the Marlins so but Ian Lewis I feel like he's not going to be in the minor leagues too long he might be young but I feel like he should be up in the major leagues at the age of 20 or 21 great defense defensive shortstop and he can hit really well so I mean 
he's going to be a great five-tool player. Well, listen, Jazz, we're very excited to, to see you in the big leagues. And, of course, Ian down the road, too. We're hoping maybe 2020, hopefully, we'll see you in the big leagues for sure. Uh, and also, the other thing, too, that Marlins fans should be excited about is with two players from Nassau, I would think that in the international process moving forward, Jazz, that there could be a lot more Bahamian players coming over to the Miami Marlins organization, thanks to you guys. So don't be afraid to start doing some recruiting out there, you know? I mean, that, that's part of this, right? I don't mind it. Don't forget, we have Anthony Seymour over here, too. So, mm. And we, we grew up playing together. Like, I mean, that's my grandma's that's my grandma's grandnephew. So, you know, his mom is my cousin. With him, I'm going to tell you now, he, he's a sleeper. I'll let you know that. Anthony's he's going to be in the show, and he's going to produce. Well, listen, Jazz, I'll take your word for it, man, because I, I, I can't dunk at all. I can't, I can't even come close <laughs> to dunking a basketball. If you can do it, I gotta, I'm going to trust you. That's going to be uh, – do me a favor. Don't tell anybody else that because I want to get that on video before somebody else does. I know someone's going to get me on that one. That's dunking? What, yeah, don't do that. Wait till you get here to the big show. All and, right. And I'm going to take you out to a, a court. We're going to do it. You're going to show – you're going to dunk, and I'm going to jump and get hurt and have a bad back. That's <laughs> the way it's going to go, okay? <laughs> all right. All right. Good luck, Jazz, the rest of the the, uh, the season. We look forward to seeing you in Miami soon. Thanks again for spending time with us here on the podcast. Appreciate it, okay? No, no problem, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you.